Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Zite gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first class luxury meets world class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Season 231, Episode 5 of the Daily Zeitgeist. It's a production of iHeartRadio. It's also the podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared, sordid consciousness. It's Friday, April 8th, 2022. That means it's National Empanada Day. So if you've got a favorite empanada spot, hit it up because it's Empanada Day. Support your empanada empanaderos or if there's a there's real term for that i just made that up forgive my uh, broken spanish but yes love a good empanada and i'm really ooh, i didn't realize that today was such a blessed day i'm miles gray aka pastry with filling hunger is killing let's go smash some tapas bites while listening to daily zites say it ain't so the flakiest dough Cheesy beef snacks. Carry me. So shout out to Scouty Magoo on the Discord who came with the preemptive said, this day is going to be empanada day. Why don't you just try this Blink-182 empanada mashup? Thank you for that one. Appreciate all of the contributions on Discord. But enough about us and empanadas. 
I'm thrilled to introduce my guest co-host today, the one I've referred to as the guest co-host with the most, obviously, Chicago's very own blessed son, the wonderfully talented podcaster, producer, writer, actor, comedian, improviser, what else can I say, multi-hyphenate, Jaquees Neal! Ooh, happy Judge Jackson Day. Happy Judge Jackson Day. She's on the Supreme Court. Happy Judge Jackson Day. Oh, what up, black people? <laughs> How we doing? Yes. Everybody who is not black, turn your radios off. I'm going to talk to the black folks right now. <laughs> turn your radios off. Turn them down. You can't hear this. <laughs> Guys, we did it. We did it. We got our first black person on the guy. Our guest turned her video off. <laughs> we got our first black person on the Supreme Court. Yes, that's right. Black I said woman. It the first. Uh, hold on, hold on. Don't fall oh, no, down no, that no. trap. Don't, I know what I said. I, I'm calculated in what I said. Our first black Wait, hold person. Third good Marshall counts. Third good no, Marshall no, no, counts. I mean, on the Claire Supreme Thomas, Court right now. Yes. Look. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, on the Supreme Court right now. <laughs> okay. Not first ever. Black I woman. Yes, okay. I just want to make sure. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, while you can turn your cameras back on and your, your radios back on, I just fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I meant right Dingo's now, plan, not plan. the first person ever. Yes, not the first person ever. Yes. But thank you, Miles. Thank you, Miles, for, for setting me straight so I don't misspeak. Uh, it's a beautiful day. Miles, how are you? I'm fantastic. I love to see black people win. I love to yes. see Katanji Brown-Jackson go through such a transparently hostile, misogynistic, racist mm -hmm. confirmation process where they did everything they could while ignoring all of the things that made her qualified. And exactly. despite that, she made, it through. she made it through. So yeah, all that to say, you know, like I like to say I'm optimistic. I like to say that things ultimately bend towards the positive. And, you know, I think in another time, maybe they, people may have gotten lucky trying to pick her off, but no. And it was heartening to see that her, her approval ratings went up after yeah. all that nonsense went down. So yeah. yeah, they can't stop. They can't stop. The moment. It was a vile. It was a vile display of yeah racism and misogyny. It was a vile display of picking apart an honorable person yeah. like I haven't seen in a very long time. But you know what? <laughs> she persevered. She is through. Yep. Four women on the Supreme Court. Only one of them is terrible. Uh, it's a beautiful fucking day, y'all. It's a yeah. beautiful day. Yeah. So, but. But let's bring on our guests. You know, I don't want to call. A talk lovely too much day, KBJ, KBJ. That's what I thought you were going because I th I thought I heard you listening to Bill Withers right before. I was, I was, but I posted it on my Instagram instead. I, I feel like I've done Bill Withers like four times. So I can. Oh uh, well, gotta, you know, Bill Withers is a classic. You know, you classic. can go so many ways with Bill Withers. He's also, a I mean, the guy was working on a factory line so deep into his career. I was like, okay, maybe I don't have to work this job, and I can just do the the music thing. I can just go hit, I can go hit notes 28 seconds long. <laughs> right. <laughs> or just get that YouTube version where it's 10 hours long. Uh, yes. Just lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. Anyway, it is a lovely day. And today we have a very, very special guest. It's not often we have established achievers in the fields of journalism and science. You know, typically we have a lot of great thinkers, uh, comedians on, but I am thrilled to be mm -hmm. introducing our guest today, an award-winning author, science and culture journalist. Her book, The End of Bias, A Beginning, looks at discrimination and how we as a society can move forward because I think a lot of the time we just know, we acknowledge the existence of biases or discrimination and then it just ends there and say, isn't that some shit? Well, 
I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, Jessica Nordell! <laughs> hello, hello. I'm thrilled to be here. And by the way, when you brought up Kataji Brown Jackson, a siren started going off outside my window. Mm, oh, man. So oh. <laughs> the world oh, yeah. is celebrating at this moment. The world is celebrating. <laughs> yeah. The world is celebrating. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We're, uh, Jessica, where are you? Where, what, what part of the country are you in or the, or the world if you are not in the U.S.? I believe I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, okay. Okay. Are you from Minneapolis? Uh, I've been here for a lot of my adulthood. I was born in LA and grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, oh wow. okay. Are you a Packers fan? Are you a Packers fan at all? You, you know, I would say I am culturally a Packers fan, but I'm not currently oh. practicing. Got okay, it, that right. all right. Then you were we, raised. We, we can keep. We can keep this going the there. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, ra- raised, I was in raised in in the religion of the Packers, but I am okay currently. Right. Yeah. Right, as right, long right. as but you've you seen did, your still... light. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. We've got the Chicago aligned, the oh, Midwest yeah. energy swirling. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I mean, third grade, <laughs> I remember Packers Bears. Like things were things were very hot between our states. Yeah. Yes. And I was speaking of which, I was asking you earlier, you saw that clip of Young Prince that was like resurrected this week? Yes. Oh my gosh. It I I can't believe I was telling you telling y'all earlier. When it's so interesting when you can see somebody in their youth and you're like, that is that person, undeniably. There's no question about it. Exactly. Like you, you see him and you hear him and you're like, yes, this, this is Prince. He's like little baby 11 year old Prince is like, we should support our teachers because they work yeah. really hard for us. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. They they found him at 11 years old at the local news station. The editor's like, this is this is the purple one as a child. That's amazing. All praise. Um, I got to anyway. see this video. I got to see this video because I haven't. Oh, seen you got to look so. at. I mean, the screen grab alone, you're just gonna melt because you're like, that is eleven year old print. Like the look he's even given the camera, he's even like smizing. He as, has like, an so much attitude. He has more attitude as an eleven year old than like most adults. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I think then I get I get all down on myself. I'm like, man, I have to get this. This see, these are like those generational talents where it's like the energy is shooting out of them even at a young age and you're like this this one's special um <laughs> i see it i'm looking at it now yeah you see i feel like that's a meme almost that look that they're giving him where he's like looking yeah. up the, the camera with his eyes low yeah i see you i see you. i love that <laughs> before we get to know you better jessica let's tell the listeners what we are going to talk about today first talking with jessica you know bias it's everywhere and like i was telling so like i was saying earlier typically a lot of our thinking around it, or at least our observation, it sort of ends at observation. And I'm glad that there are people like you who are interested in the next steps to that. So we'll talk about bias, how we can confront those and how we can potentially make a change for the better. Mm. <laughs> that would be something. But first, Jessica, we got to ask you, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Ooh, search history. So We'll just dive right in. I yeah. recently was searching the term uh, excited delirium, Ooh. which is uh, something I've been wondering about and thinking about a lot lately because it is a, a made-up diagnosis that has been taught. So I live in Minneapolis, and obviously mm-hmm. there's been a lot going on in Minneapolis the last few years. And um Excited delirium is a is a made up diagnosis that has been taught to the Minneapolis police by one of our health systems. And Uh the idea of excited delirium is that so this is a diagnosis that is not recognized by the American Medical Association. 
But what it, the idea is that you can become so worked up and so agitated that your body, you go into lactic acidosis, your body becomes like highly acidic and it can Mm -hmm. be fatal. And so police are taught that excited delirium is something that they should be looking out for when they're interacting with the community, interacting with citizens. But what happens is that because they are taught this diagnosis, when they see someone really agitated, they think excited delirium, I have to restrain this person. This is dangerous. And then the restraint itself can be a complication that leads to death. And this is used much more against African-American men, restraint and the diagnosis of excited delirium. And so I've been, you know, sort of trying to research it, figuring out what's going on right now with the Minneapolis police um, being taught this. They were, we were told that they weren't, that they had stopped teaching excited delirium. But then recently it came out that they, this health system was actually still teaching people about excited delirium. They had just renamed it agitated delirium. So to kind of get around the, the ban on teaching this. So is that more of a way to justify like more aggressive ways of restraining people? Or is it are, are they trying to like preempt some kind of like liability if someone is act potentially like what's the logic from the law enforcement side of even bothering to, to like just like distribute this information to their officers? Right. So they a lot of them have been taught that like this has been information that's been passed down for years, that this is a real thing that they need to be worried about and that it's like it's a danger. Like if someone is experience is showing extreme agitation, it's dangerous to their own lives. So in right. the officer's mind, they are thinking, I need to restrain this person, get them under control so that they don't go into lactic acidosis. And is that common? Like people dying from lactic acidosis? I mean, it can happen like with marathon runners. It can happen with like extreme mm. exertion. But doctors I've talked to have said, like, you can't tell if someone has a high acid content in their blood just from looking at them, just from observing them. Even a doctor can't tell that. That's that's the thing that That is it's amazing how because, you know, I the first when I first heard you say this and you said they were teaching, you know, the, the cops this basically the first thing that I thought of was, oh, this is just another targeting thing they're going to use this to target black people people of color less fortunate people they're going to marginalize people this is a targeting tool right and it's amazing how many professions that they will give cops to give them the right to hurt people you ain't a fucking doctor what the hell you like how can you (laughs) (laughs) diagnose oh oh that person right there has excited delirium which I just learned about two weeks ago. I can like get the fuck out. Like what? What? It makes no sense. But it 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 is not surprising because (laughs) they will talk about or give credence to anything if it can lead to the ability to target marginalized and oppressed uh, individuals and groups. And it's very disappointing. And there's this also this element to it where you're like. The, the thing we see with law enforcement is they're constantly taught all these ways to put things in your subconscious that a person you're talking to is about to kill you mm-hmm. yeah, or is an immediate threat, whether that's yeah. like the warrior mentality, warrior approach of law enforcement officers that we see being taught, which is like, 
you're not there to serve and protect. You're there to fuck people up in case they get out of line. And you always have to be on your guard because you are a warrior. And now you're only facing enemy combatants out in the field or whatever, that this seems like another way, a very insidious way to just almost use someone's sense of helping somebody to justify gut get like you're saying, Jaquise, like turning the turning flipping the switch to like violent a violent interaction totally and then the you know the sort of horrible irony of it is that then if someone does die in police custody well it was excited delirium right that is then used as an excuse it's used as an excuse both to restrain or to inject someone with ketamine in the case you know in minneapolis this is something that has happened a lot in minneapolis inject someone with ketamine and then if the person you know, dies in police custody, then it can be blamed on this made-up diagnosis of excited delirium. Right, right, right. Oof, that is... That's, 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 I, I have never, I never heard of this until you just said it. And it's, um, it's a very interesting thing that uh, there are so many terms that the people who are, you know, tasked with protecting and serving us as you know, the little bumper sticker they put on their vehicle says that <laughs> there are so many terms that they don't let us know about, right? You know, they can do all these right. things and then after the fact, we're like, well, there's this thing called excited delirium that we, you know, we look for. And it's just like, what? Like, why not yeah. Why not bring that out? Why not be, if that's something that you're really looking for, then that should be, you know, bullet point one, two, three. These are the things the public should know. And they're not. Yeah, I mean, but, the public does know, I guess, because you know and you searched it, but it's not readily available. Like, you know, most of us have never no, heard right. of this. And it's not like a, you need a PSA for, you know, the excited delirium because it's such a problem. But right. yet again, it, it just throw it on the pile of, uh, you know, racist medical myths that we've yeah. used over the years to, you know, whether it's prohibiting drugs or not giving proper medical care to people of color. Just so many, so many ways to trick your brain to just continue down the path of just discriminating or treating people a certain way. Jessica, what's something you think is overrated? So overrated. I was thinking, of, I think, you know, when I think about overrated, I also think about kind of like romanticized or like elevated. Yeah. And I actually think being a pioneer is overrated or romanticized. Mm. Being the first one to do something, whether it's the first woman or the first person of color. I was thinking about this when I was watching the Ketanji Brown Jackson hearings, who is now the first Black woman on the Supreme Court. And I think, you know, people romanticize the idea of being a pioneer, like you're breaking boundaries, you're shattering, you know, you're shattering expectations, you're, you know, you're breaking through um, barriers. But being a pioneer is really hard. And, you know, when I was working on this book about decreasing bias and discrimination, I talked to a lot of people who were pioneers, you know, mm-hmm. like, whether it was like, you know, the only women in an engine in a science lab, or the, the first black woman to be in an aeronautical engineering company, something like that. And what I realized about the experience of being a pioneer, being the first or being the only or being one of very few, is that there's this interesting thing that happens, which is that m- the majority of the people in that role or at that job have like one set of job requirements that they have to meet. Hmm. But the pioneer has to meet all of those requirements plus a whole shadow set of requirements that are not written down anywhere 
and are not like formal job requirements. Mm-hmm. I kind of think of them as like pioneer requirements. So like if you like a lot of the engineer like women engineers and like women of color engineers I talked to described how they would, you know, an engineer has to be really good at like technical skills, really good at teamwork, really good at creative problem solving, you know, be really on point with like math and science and communication skills. But then a pioneer, like the the only black woman at this aeronautical engineering company had to have all of those requirements. Mm-hmm. Plus she had to be able to work alone because she was solitary, had to work alone a lot. Like she wouldn't be invited to work with other people. She had to be able to maintain her composure when people would make aggressive or, you know, biased remarks, mm-hmm. had to have like infinite patience. And so there was like this whole separate set of requirements that are not formalized anywhere. And right. so what, you know, what I started realizing was that one thing that happens when we have like really homogenous workplaces or really homogenous disciplines or, you know, fields is that it really like artificially shrinks the number of people from the not majority who are going to be able to be in those roles because they have mm-hmm. like double the requirements. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very interesting, you know, because I don't know if I don't know if I can say no one because I'm sure some people do, but for the most part, no one sets out to be historic. No one sets out to be the first ever anything certainly not by choice you know like i i I don't want to be the first black person to do something personally but there may be some things where i could be the first black person to do something by just by default right and mm-hmm. and the and you, you you brought us a really interesting point about how the requirements are even more you know something that you know, a lot of black people talk about or people of color, but, you know, I'm black, so I can speak to that experience is how we have to carry black excellence in a world of white mediocrity. And, and you know, I, I say that and I'm not saying every white person is mediocre. There are some excellent people of, you know, who aren't non-black uh, excellence as well, but we right. have to be excellent in order to be in a room. Right. Yeah. We have to be excellent in order to sit at the table. We have to be we have to carry this way. We have to have the grace. We have to have the perseverance. We have to be the first to walk through the fire, you know, and here's the funny thing about fire. That shit is always hot. (laughs) Hey, this shit is always hot, but you got to be the first one to walk through it. Right. To let everybody else know just how hot it is. And that is an incredible weight. Uh, so I think this is a beautiful overrated because nobody wants that. You just want to do your job. Right. You were just trying to do the thing that you love. Yeah. But because of, you know, hegemony and the way our society is, it just means you have to move through that, this organism at a different pace and in a different route than most people do. One that is much easier. And yeah, and I feel you, especially on that, Jaquise, because I think most, especially black kids, they're you're raised being told you have to work twice as hard for half as much. And that's something I was raised hearing a lot. And most people I know that you're, that there's something that you already know you have to overcome a lot just to sort of get what you, what you need. And yeah, I think there is like, there, there is like, there's like this, a bit of melancholy, right. To being the first while like, you know, while we all, we all are here celebrating this, 
we did see how hard it is to be a pioneer, like in mm-hmm. real time. And that was that was difficult. And that was a thing that I'm not celebrating. And I wish she didn't have to go through. And I think yeah. it, it's oh, it is definitely overrated in the sense where you hear, especially some of the other senators in the Judiciary Committee, just commend that she went through that was like, oh, you were just that was a, you survived that. That was that was really stellar rather than putting the energy into maybe we don't need situations where people need to survive a fucking meat grinder. Yeah. And that's where we want to be. You know, I was was just going to say real quick, do you know how exhausting mentally it is to even just think that if I want to do something, it's going to come with barrels of hate. (laughs) Like That's mentally exhausting. And then you're still like, I want to do that. And you still like, I want to do that. Right. Because I just love what I do. And Mm -hmm. Or I want to make a difference or for whatever reason, or I want to make a lot of money. Who gives a well, whatever your reason is, it shouldn't come with prerequisite hate. And it just does. And it's a it's a very disheartening and exhausting thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, I think we don't recognize enough how how much that shrinks the pool of people right. who are gonna go forward with that yeah. field. Because like, you know, a you know, when I was doing research about this, I found that sometimes the like the job requirement and the pioneer requirement would actually be like opposite requirements. You know, in a job, mm-hmm. you might have to be really good at teamwork and be really social and be really good at working with other people. But then the pioneer might have to also be really good at working alone or right. really prefer to work alone. Right. So like the the pool of people that can meet both who want to meet both is so exceedingly small because they're often you know, at odds with each other. Right. And they're unfair sort of rubrics to use because on one side you have, especially, you know, you think of like all black women, especially have to navigate this idea that if you begin to show your frustration or speak out against something that's happening to you, then you're being going to be labeled as an angry black person. Exactly. And the fact that that is, that's already an added dimension to the experience of someone who just wants to work somewhere. Yeah, just wants to do her job. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other coworkers who might not be black can say all kinds of wild shit, behave all kinds of different ways. And they're like, well, that's just Terry. I you like know? beer. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Especially and white suddenly man. we're looking yeah. at it a complete set. And then you look at like you're saying the the pool then shrinks because now you can't just be someone who inherently wants to do a certain job or career. You have to do that and have your your like nerves cauterized so you're not like so sensitive to all the other bullshit that you have to deal with and yeah that it then i think that's a very subtle way of looking at how the 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 imbalance that 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 exists for people especially because some people can go in it could be an asshole and you ascend but the second there's some melon in there and a certain way the world looks at you based on our culture then like you're saying, it's a completely different set of facts. And I know we have to yeah. move on, but just this one thing no. too that it There's is. There's a lot it to is, say on this. <laughs> it's a yeah, lot yeah, to yeah, say no, on I, this. This yeah, is great. It's, it's a lot to say on this. It is as as beautiful as it is to see young black girls, young women of color look at all the women, all the women of color on the Supreme Court or Judge Jackson, and say, "Oh man, I can do that. I want to do that. That's a beautiful thing." But on the flip side, you'll get some young black women who will see what she just went through to publicly on display to millions of right. people to get there and be like, that's not worth it. And that's sad. 
<laughs> like that's yeah. very fucking sad because no white man in America saw what Judge uh, what what Brett Kavanaugh went through and was like, Oof. <laughs> I don't know if I would ever want to be on the Supreme Court now. Who yeah. them questions? What? None of them. None of them did that. The all the <laughs> lesson there was they'll hook you up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The lesson was like, shit, I guess I can do whatever I want to in high school and I'll still get on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I'll go through it because I'll have they will have my back. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's it's crazy. It's a crazy. It's crazy. No. And that's and I think that's what makes it really tragic is you think of all the people who who aren't the musicians or business people or chemists or engineers because they didn't have that secondary, that extra set of skills that so many people don't need to possess. Exactly. And those are all lost. That's all lost potential. Exactly. And that's how quickly that shit happens. And it's as something as simple as like you're saying, it's like <laughs> there's yes, there's the there's the job description. And then there's the the nuances of society that you then have to grapple with to be able to to make it there. And that is a truly like that's a, just an intense meat grinder. You know what? Let's take a quick break. And we'll come back and we'll get that underrated right after this. Zeit gang, customers are rushing to your store, but do you have a point of sale system you can trust? Or is it, you know, like a literal POS? Well, you need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Connect with customers inline and online. Look, you want to use TikTok? Well, guess what? They have plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns on platforms just like that. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Now, I was looking at Shopify.com and I'm trying to get some answers. Let's say, uh, you know, how to bustling retail business and i need you know maybe uh, some hardware to be able to sell my wares on the street take credit card payments whatever and i know shopify is easy to use half the time i buy something online i'm like oh yep they're using shopify and if you need to learn more check out their website it's super easy to navigate whether you have questions about how you can optimize your inventory or again looking for hardware to make sales easier shopify.com has all of that just go there check it out so sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash tdz all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TDZ to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash TDZ. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com you like to watch new stuff right Zygang? i know i do well go to hulu and see what's new because hulu has new stuff all the time like vanderpump villa the new docudrama starring lisa vanderpump Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. 
And Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island. And secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. Uh, and lastly, but not leastly, Jessica, what is something you think is underrated? I think something that's underrated is being a work in progress. Mm. Mm. So I think in our, I think we live in a society that wants you to have the answers now and to know the right, the truth now and right. to get it all right now and not make mistakes and be fully evolved as a human being right now. Yeah. And I just think that's not how we are as people. I think we're all like constantly screwing up, constantly learning. That's like the beauty of being a human is like you get to learn and grow and change and be mentally in a different place this year than you were last year. And I think that, you know, people can change and people can like grow and evolve. And so I think it's, I think the idea of like not knowing is kind of underrated. Like I, th I think that I wish that we could embrace more of a sense that we are all in process, that we are all in right. some uh, go, you know, going through some kind of transformation and it's okay to not know or to screw up or to make a mistake because you can just start over and try to do better next time. Yeah. And snow pants. <laughs> okay. Okay. Snow yes. pants are nice. Snow pants are nice. Uh, snowboarding last month and bought me a nice little snow pants outfit and I was like, "Ooh, these keep me warm. I like them. I like you don't them do lot. them in blue. You don't ski in blue jeans like a like a mountain. I don't ski in blue jeans like thug. a real gangster. Nah, man. You know, yeah. I, I put on my gangster hat years ago. <laughs> now it's snow pants all the time. Yeah, something waterproof. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful uh, underrated. You know, like I remember, you know, just speaking of work in process. When I was younger and uh, I was just being introduced to the sports world and there was this quarterback that I was like, oh, I like this guy. He is he is he's pretty good. He throws far. You know, everybody talks about him. And I started to like him. His name was Brett Favre of the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, I had to go through that process of growing and, and realizing, that, you know. That this is this is a terrible thing. I'm a Chicago. I'm, a, I'm in Chicago. I'm a Bears fan, and and I grew, and I was allowed to change. And yeah. if my fellow Bear fans didn't let me change, 
who knows where, where would, I would you be, be now? Where would yeah. I be now? <laughs> and wait, <laughs> but you I still wear now? those Wrangler jeans though, like a pro. But you know, yeah, those man, I would, got be, you. I would be having bad style now, wearing Wrangler jeans. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but you know. This idea, right, that you're speaking to, it's the whole reason why we have such conflicts culturally yeah. is that because is. we have, because we, we aren't looking at people as being able to change, that intensifies the perceived effectiveness of cancel culture, right? Yes. Because, and I think a lot of people don't realize there's the, when there's like, look at what's happening with cancel culture. Nothing's happening with cancel culture. You have a group of people who feel powerless, who are trying to do whatever they can to exert some kind of change on a scale that they're only able to, which is, well, I don't sign the deals at Netflix, so I'm just not going to fuck with this person anymore. That's what I'm doing because I'm not the gatekeeper. And because real cancel culture is when the gatekeepers are the ones saying, you know what, let me pull this lever. And now we're not going to let, you know, abuse of women cook for or no one's going to be successful doing anything like that but we look all around us and that's not taken seriously in any place you know there's a lot of lip service paid but when you look at the actions of the people that can quote unquote cancel someone they're not they're not equipped to do that and i think that also a lot of people who are kind of like really rigid in their ability like especially with their own you know ignorance it's easier to say I'm the finished article right now and push back on everything and the, the idea that maybe you don't know everything than to just give yourself that little bit of grace or that little bit of patience to say, you know, I don't, I fuck, look, there was a time when I didn't know things and I know more, like you just were constantly learning. And most people don't afford themselves that ability to say, yeah, maybe I have it wrong on what I think a, what a, a person, a trans person's rights are or a, a, a woman's right to bodily autonomy. Maybe I'm able to reassess that. But I think because, like you're saying, the emphasis is like, oh, you don't have your fully formed opinion on that already? You're not an expert on that already? Why are you even talking? That's just going to put somebody in a position where they're like, well, fuck, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to double down on this bad take because it's better because yeah. I see I see people that are also doing that. And at least I'm not alone because I don't see as many people saying, you know, I may have that wrong mm -hmm. and I'm open to, to learning more. You know, also um, makes it hard for people to admit mistakes that are right. serious. So, I mean, I think one of the I think the you know, the Me Too movement is like an unfinished project. And part of it, I think part of it is is, you know, has to do with the fact that like we don't as a society have a have a space for people to say you know what i did that and it was really messed up and i right. was really screwed up and i am trying to figure out why i was so screwed up and what the toxic messages were that i had absorbed that caused me to behave that way and i want to do better in the future like we don't mm -hmm. really have a conversation about that and so it seems like the the choice is for people to just deny that it ever happened. Mm -hmm. Right. That seems to be the choice. That that's like the only option is to be like, oh no, you know, it never happened. It right. I just feel like we would be so much we would be able to make so much more progress together if we could say, Yeah, I I I did that. It was really messed up. It was completely unacceptable. Yeah. You know. And then that offers people a bridge or a an off ramp to that to say, okay, wow, that's we get that that you you're different now because I think when most people just sort of do the thing like that never happened, then that that's that only energizes people more to be like this person is vile, this person knows nothing, they're inherently evil, and they might be inherently evil, but without knowing, giving people the opportunity to at least 
I mean, not to say that there is no opportunity for that. It's just that that's not really, that's not the norm is to say, y'all, I fucked up really bad. I fucked up really bad. And here are the ways that I fucked up. I'm trying to, and you do get the one-off apologies from now and then, like every now and then where you're like, oh, wow, that that's, I can, the contrition is there. This person is trying to grow. Mm -hmm. But like, Mm -hmm. to your point in that, especially since, you know, the last presidential administration, it, it seems like the sort of move of the of the nation is just to be like that never happened the thing i'm showing you video of right now that never happened and fuck you and yeah that that leads to some really dark places right and it's crazy too because we live in a we live in an instant gratification society right now you know where i mean everything just moves quickly you know right even to getting your music you know if if an if an album drops you can be listening to it at 1201 <laughs> right you know Versus when we were kids, we had to at least get in our car, go to the store, get the CD, you know, like it was an extra, it was a few extra steps before we could even get it that same day. Right. And I think because of that, we have unfortunately put that on top of this very real thing of you just have to be, you know, there is no growth or there is no opportunity for change. Or if you make a mistake, it is an immediate like you made a mistake and this is why you fucked up and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, oh, well, shit. Like, I didn't even know I made a mistake, <laughs> right? Sometimes people don't. And right, I'm not right, talking right. about egregious things. Like, I'm even talking about just yeah, but some, yeah, small right. things where it's like we're so quick to not allow people the chance to grow or to learn or to show their right. growth. It's wild. Yeah, the instant gratification thing, it, like you're saying, it extends to just that, even someone's development has to be instant because yeah. I think that is a huge difference too. Cause I, I feel like me growing up pre smartphone in high school gave me some bandwidth to like have, take a second, look at my own behavior and compare that to who I think I should be or what others are telling me I should be. And mm-hmm. like parse, like go parse through that on my own time. Whereas now I feel like that. That that timing is very limited. All like all, potentially everything you do and say can be recorded, and right. I think that also gives people puts people in a very odd headspace as well, where you're on edge too because you're like, well, fuck, am I is this the right thing? Am I doing this? It's, it feels much more chaotic. I mean, not to, not to bring this up again, but the a, a recent example of this is, you know, the the thing that happened at the Oscars, right, mm-hmm. where everybody was like, oh, he didn't apologize. 15 minutes after it happened and it was like how many right. fights have you been in when you apologize 15 minutes after it happened none right <laughs> like none. somebody talking to someone about your wife you yeah. know like, and yeah, all none. the context of that you're like this is a this is already fucking weird y'all yeah and like so so when the, the apology came the next day it was like oh well he didn't apologize like the man did, couldn't have 12 hours to like realize what happened calm down you know all these things and it's just it's a very it was a very weird thing where you know everybody expects you to like come through the full circle realization immediately where even 24 hours is too long yeah 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 like we we're beings that exist in time and we like metabolize things in time i mean i even think about like the, the kind of the form that the apology often takes when someone does something that they regret later or get called out on later, the apology is often, that doesn't reflect who I am. Right. 
Mm -hmm. Right. When I feel like the part that's missing is like, but it does reflect who I was when I did it. Right. 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 (laughs) You're like, no, that that was me. You're right. And I don't want to be that anymore. Right. Yeah. That that's, Oof. Uh, it, I really always like encourage people, especially like even in my own friend group, people also project this sort of like instant change or like lack of grace for themselves. Like, you know, like I see it all the time. Like, I can't believe I did that. Yes. And it's like, yo, go easy. Go fucking easy. You're in the mm-hmm. fuck. You're just as uh, the radio legend big boy one day while well, I used to work with the radio. I fucked up a photo, like a recording because my phone went off during an interview with Future. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that. I apologize so much. And he's like, it's all good, man. He's like, you're just paying your tuition to the school of experience. That's what I he said. To me. And I was I thought he was going to fuck me up. Like, I thought I was like, you know, I thought he was giving me looks. I was like, man, when this when this is over, like, I'm going to I'm going to hear it. And he was so cool about it. And that really stuck with me is being able to recontextualize our mistakes as, you know, data gathering. It's the same, I think, goes alongside with people who are so entrenched in like the fear of failure, too, is that you they, you have to recontextualize what these things are. They're not failures that indicate that you are a failure. That's just an experiment that went one way. And now you have a data set to work with. And now you, you accumulate all this data. Trust me, you will begin to see the matrix of it all and grow more. I love that. That like, yeah, showing compassion to ourselves. So important. Yeah, Yeah. it's so important because, you know, I I say this to friends as well when when they're beating themselves up or or going through something or even if they're like not feeling well, like because we don't do this where I say, yo, if I was not feeling well, what would you tell me? You would tell me, go rest, do all these things. You would have compassion for me. Have that same compassion for yourself. (laughs) Have that same compassion for yourself. We we Wait, why is have... it different when it's you? Yeah, it's hmm. not. Like... Because you are a decent person and I am a piece of garbage. That's like, <laughs> right, like right, the exactly. that we all have. That's know? why. The <laughs> yeah. most I can do is root for you in your time of need. Yeah. Well, this is great. Okay, so, I mean, Jessica, I just, I just want to I just want to roll right into your work, right? So we, we're constantly living in a world where we see discrimination. Discrimination abounds. Our mm-hmm. cultural biases abound. Uh, I feel like as it relates to this show, we talk about forms of discrimination and bias a lot. And I think one thing that we talk about a lot is media bias and sort of the lens at which the stories of our world are being told through people who aren't necessarily engaging with it with the same stakes. So it begins to tinge their reporting in a way that we not it's it, it doesn't end up really connecting to the people that need to hear it. So I guess I mean, you know, this is like off of I think 15 plus years of research into this topic. I mean, just generally I know I just said a bunch of other specific stuff, but I would love to hear kind of what your journey was to to say, you know what, I want to dedicate some time to understanding this mm-hmm. and like what what you've seen in terms of how we can move through or improve our situation. Yeah, it's um, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I got interested in this topic because of my own experience with gender bias in the working mm. world. We could have a whole conversation just about that. But basically, you know, I experienced bias because I'm a woman and had a particular moment where I was starting out as a journalist, sending out stories to editors and not hearing anything back. And I had this like desperate moment where I I was like, if I don't, if this pitch doesn't land, it's just going to die. There was like only a small window of opportunity to like make it, to make it land somewhere. And so I pitched the piece with a man's name 
instead of mm. my name. Right. And that same piece that had been ignored by everybody was immediately accepted for publication. And so that was kind of like my beginning of starting to really kind of think about this in a more systematic way, because I thought, well, that editor probably isn't like intentionally rejecting pitches by women and accepting pitches by men, but obviously there's something going on. And so that started my really kind of like lifelong interest in and fascination with this topic, which is like, what is going on when people behave, when they say one thing, when they say that they believe one thing and they hold a certain set of values, but then they behave in a different Mm -hmm. way. They behave in a way that conflicts with those Mm -hmm. values. And so I started really writing about it, reporting about it, kind of trying to understand it psychologically, developmentally, cognitively, like really trying to kind of get into what is going on here in in the mind, as well as interpersonally. And then like, as you kind of brought up earlier, when we were talking at some point, I just thought, you know, I'm kind of, I, 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 I want to move beyond discussing the problem. <laughs> like right, there's a right. lot of documentation. There are thousands of studies that document gender bias, racial bias, you know, bias sex, uh, on the basis of sexual orientation, religion, disability, like it is well-documented across mm-hmm. every field of human right. endeavor. So my question then was like, what do we do about it? Is there something that can actually be done or are we stuck just admiring the problem? Right, and right. so that was like the genesis of this book was really me trying to answer that question. Like what actually changes people's behavior? Right. And what, so to, as you embark on that journey, I like, what did you have like a first sort of inclination or idea of you like, my, my gut is saying, this is how we tackle it. And then did you end up learning a lot more about it? You're like, wow, like I'm so far off. Or maybe you actually, because of your research into it, you were kind of on the right path. I mean, I really went in with casting a really wide net, like really mm-hmm. kind of open to everything, you know, and I, I had heard about certain approaches that worked. And then I had heard, you know, there's certain approaches that got press and then were debunked. And so I was really just trying to get gather as much data as possible. Yeah. You know, I definitely went through kind of a dark night of the soul about halfway through the, or maybe not quite halfway, maybe a third of the way through the project where I had been devoting a lot of time and energy to looking at individual kind of interventions, like how, what can happen so you and I can engage with each other in a humane and life-affirming way Mm -hmm. where we recognize each other's basic humanity and individuality. And at some, I remember like waking up at like two in the morning thinking it's the structures, (laughs) you know, the structures Mm -hmm. are where we need to focus our effort. And really asking myself, like, you know, does it make sense to focus on individuals, minds and hearts? Mm-hmm. And then I came to this understanding, which I fu- fully, which I really fully feel, you know, is true, that the two cannot be separated, that the individual, what happens in our minds and hearts is what creates our structures. Mm-hmm. It's what causes us to support policies, uphold policies, vote for certain people. And then those policies and those laws and those larger structures in turn start to influence the way we think and feel and react to one another as well. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that 
if you're, we're kind of asking about like, did things change along the way? Sure, I would sure. say my, my feeling about the individual and the structural and how they relate has really evolved into seeing them as fully, you know, intertwined. Got you. You know, I, I remember this was, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, uh, was somebody asked me, who are like some of your favorite actors, right? And I rattled off like five or six names, all men, right? And and not even on purpose. I just, you know, that's just where my, my thought process go. And she looked at me and was like, hmm, ain't no women you like? And I was like, damn. Yeah, there is. There's a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> why, why, why did I not just name a single woman, a, a, a single performer who is not a man? And I really started to like that got to me. Like, and, and I don't think she meant it in like a you motherfucker, you didn't say no women. I yeah. think she just like Even legitimately no asked, and it really got to me and started making me think like even in my field, how we default to the bias of defaulting to men as the top performers or, right. or, you know, certain individuals as, or certain genres or certain things as valuable or the top of the echelon. Right. And, and it's a, it is a bias because even just saying who are your favorite actors automatically is a bias to male performers. Right. Right. You, yeah. You begin to, yeah. And it's, it's wild how, you know, and, and it's just and you don't even think about that because, like you said, the structure has, you know, like the SAG Awards, that award is called the actor. <laughs> right. Right. And these and these are things and I don't think there I don't think, you know, those things were put in place, you know, maliciously. But the bias those of the, it and the structure of it right. has led to if somebody asks you who is your favorite actor, most people, unfortunately, the first person they're going to say is a man. And and it's crazy because like it's it like there is no there's no difference in like the performance that a great performer gives right uh, with the bias will and so it's a very interesting thing I think to to think about how the structure has ingrained these biases in us right and we don't even people realize have, like that you have you reflexively are reinforcing patriarchy or you're reflexively yeah. reinforcing white supremacy and yeah people of color even do this because again yeah. it's it becomes internalized and those structures are there i'm really curious what you've seen as like sort of stories of success or methods of success as it relates to a specific bias i mean uh, you know I'll, I'll allow you if there's something really interesting uh you know because again i really do want everybody to hear that yeah okay so i think we're all on the same page about our biases and the how those reinforce existing structures of discrimination etc but what what so what is that what's that next path out or what 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 was your what did you observe as you were writing this book uh, yeah the way out? so there i mean there's there isn't well i guess i would say there's not like one silver bullet sort of course of course of course, of yeah. course. But there are like a lot there are really a lot of approaches that has been shown to change people's behavior so one for instance that i think is super interesting is about media actually and this is this is kind of a body of research that was developed by a an American psychologist and a French psychologist of Arab origin. And they were looking at anti-Arab prejudice in France, which is a really big problem. Yeah. And so what they were trying to figure out is whether media certain kinds of media representations would change the way 
French people who were not of Arab origin would interact with people of Arab origin. Mm -hmm. And so they did something really interesting um, where they, they developed these posters. And on the posters, they had a bunch of faces and figures of pe Arab people with their names and a description of that person. And on some of the posters, they were all like positive descriptions, like optimistic, mm -hmm. generous, you know, friendly, etc. And on the other posters, they were more mixed. So it was like, this person is optimistic, this person is pessimistic, this person is stingy, this person is generous, like, it created a, a like a really big, um, a, a, a lot of diversity within that mm -hmm. group of, of Arab people. And they found that when when folks were exposed to the diversity poster, not diversity like people of different ethnic origins, but like right. people within the Arab group being really, really diverse and complex and different from each other, mm -hmm. that poster then, as a result of um, spending time in the presence of that poster, people behaved more positively and less in a less discriminatory way toward Arab folks. And mm. they tested this by like, having um having the poster hang in like a physical therapy office for several weeks and then they would do a test where a patient would come in and there'd be like a person of arab origin sitting in the waiting room and they would look at how close the other person sat next to them things mm -hmm. like that or whether they would help someone who had spilled like a bat a purse full of you know right, items. Like, right. and so i think this is really interesting because when we talk about like representing diversity in media, I think we often think of it as like, you need to show, you know, someone from this so social identity and someone from this social identity and someone from this, so you know, different social identities. I think what's really important is to actually show that within any identity, you have a massive variety and massive diversity because that starts to actually break down the kinds of stereotypes that we have about one another and our yeah, other right. groups. So sort of taking down like these monolithic views we have of people, yeah. because I think, yeah, it, it is easy, especially when you talk, especially with marginalized groups, that because they're marginalized, that then they're, they're, they're then referred to as like this monolith of just people that are all the same. But yeah, that I didn't, that in my, in my mind, I was like, I guess that, that helps because you're sort of reinforcing this idea to somebody that's like, yes, people are also diverse, just like in your group that you identify with. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because right. like the human mind often will think of their own group as being really diverse and the other group as homogenous. This is something mm -hmm. that just like we do psychologically. So breaking right. down that monolith, that homogeneity, it just makes it a lot harder to stereotype people. Right, right. Okay, let's continue this conversation, but let's take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. 
Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring the Kardashians, of course. And... Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back. And just continuing along with this conversation, I wanted to ask about medical bias because that's something recently, unfortunately, has been a topic in my family because some diagnoses were not made properly. And you can, there's, this is a very common problem with, as it relates to gender or perceived gender identity or race. And I'm, I'm curious what the, what to do about medical biases, too, because I think that's something that probably affects many, many people, even if they're not really aware. Yeah, it, it's a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, it's it's well documented that there are uh, disparities in treatment for women, yeah. for black people, for Latino people, for many different 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 groups. So one you know, there, there are a lot of different approaches, but one that I, I, I found really interesting and that had some really good evidence behind it was something we might call structured decision-making or like behavioral design. So the idea here is that instead of trying to change people's biases, you change the context that they make decisions in. And so in this case, there were a group of trauma surgeons at Johns Hopkins Hospital who were concerned that patients weren't getting adequate blood clot prevention when they were coming in for trauma. And 
in order to try to improve that, they started having doctors use a checklist approach. So instead of just, if I'm a doctor talking to you, instead of just asking you questions and kind of deciding on my own what treatment to give you, I would actually use a computerized checklist where I have like, you know, 25 questions and it's the same question for every patient. And then, you know, I do check, 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 check. And then the computer, the algorithm makes a suggestion about, you know, what kind of treatment to get. And what they found was that when this approach was used, this kind of formal checklist approach, gaps between, in this case, women and men's treatment disappeared. Women and men actually began getting the same level of blood clot prevention treatment. So it was just about being like, let's take this to the most objective place, which is these facts about this human body that absolutely cannot be obscured by the, the doctor's own biases or, or what have you uh that's okay that's you, in a way you're like god you, you know that's the part where the human the human aspect comes into it because despite all of your medical training and you are making those assessments that there are moments where somehow even though you're saying the same thing maybe verbally versus a checklist you're arriving at a different outcome can, may I, can I ask a question and not to say like you have the answer to this but just in your research and in your own opinion, basically, speaking medically, let's say, you know, because as a black person and who has a black mother um, and black women are and women and black women in general are very discriminated and, and the biases that they go through in the medical field are, or as patients are terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've gotten to the point and I've even told my mother this and she advocates for herself a lot that. Yo, if you see a new doctor or you, even your doctor, you'll just tell them right away, hey, look, I'm going to need you to go ahead and not do the things that normally happen <laughs> to us when we sit in this chair. I'm going to need you to not tell me it's just your anxiety. I'm going to need you to tell me it's not this. It's not this. I'm going to have I'm going to need you to tell me I'm, I'm going to need you to know this right up top. Right. And some doctors or people in general take offense to that. Right. Right. And and what is it? What is it about our biases where we don't want to see them, or we don't want, or if somebody calls us out on them, we kind of, you know, go into the shell instead of just hearing it and 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 start to make those steps forward to not do those things because you know in some cases your biases can be very dangerous. Oh yeah, like the medical field, <laughs> right. right? It's a matter of life and death for a lot of people. So you would think somebody who has taken the oath to save lives would be doing everything possible to not have these biases. But if you tell them they do, they take offense to that. I, I, what, 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 in your opinion, allows that or doesn't allow that breakthrough to happen? That's yeah. That is. I, I mean, it's a, it's a huge. It's a huge problem, you know, people not being able to face what's going on in their own minds. I think right. I think it has to do with a couple of different things. I think one is that people want to believe that they are good people. Mm-hmm. And when they are confronted with the fact that they've done something that could harm someone else or has harmed someone else, it's like a threat to their sense of self. Right. Their sense of who they are and their well. sense of themselves as a good person. Right. Yeah. And that is so upsetting to people that they sometimes will shut down, disengage, become super defensive, you know, just not be able to 
sit with the discomfort that that causes. Right. So, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I feel is really important, and I talk about it in the book, is like developing the skills, the emotional skills to be able to sit with the discomfort of seeing things about your own self yeah. that maybe you don't like to see, but you have to see because you can't change right. them if you don't look at them. Yeah. And to at least have that, you know, the, the rigor or just to be brave enough to say, I'm going to engage with that process and I know I need to do, if I'm, if my goal is to actually be a more fully formed person, then I actually, it's the discomfort of self-awareness that I have to really sit with. Cause I think that is a big thing that we try to avoid. And even to your point about we, how we all inherently have this view of ourselves that we are good people. And when something threatens that order, it's, it's essentially an existential threat to our identity. And you see, I, I, I really first realized this about myself as it relates to me and my own, like relationships right is this is like a these are the this is how a lot of fights in like romantic relationships go down a partner points something out to the other that they don't like and the other person takes that immediately as i'm not worthy i'm not good i'm fucked up so then now your rebuttal is now completely powered by all of this fucking defensiveness as you're saying because now you're in the fight for your fucking identity rather than hearing yeah, you know what? Maybe I should I could I could be a little bit better about taking the garbage out. <laughs> rather than being like, what are you trying to say? I do all this shit for you and blah blah blah. And it's like that's not that's not how it needed to be heard and to the point of being giving yourself some grace is to say, let me hear that. I I know if, if I'm if this person is a good partner to me, I know they're not trying to talk shit to me. They're just expressing their needs to me. And then you say, okay, can I sit with that? Can I find it? Is there truth to what they're saying? And am I okay with acknowledging that there is an opportunity for me to add something to, you know? Yeah. And just pointing out, definitely. yeah, the fact that this error of my thinking or, you know, flaw in my reaction was pointed out doesn't mean that I am inherently unlovable. I think right, a yeah. lot of the fear is, comes from That's this where it goes. Right. feeling, right? Like the, I, there's something so wrong with me. I am unlovable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's truly just a, like the real the, the switch you just have to flip is, yeah, every, you're you're worthy. Every, you're worthy. Like that's the floor, right? The floor is that you're worthy. So we're not going below worthiness yes. unless you're like an absolutely deplorable human being. But that's the floor. It almost seems that like that being able to sit in that discomfort and being able to have a self-worth that. If, you know, something uncomfortable is said to me or I need to live in that, that I'm still worthy of all ABC or things like that is almost it almost feels like that's one of the first steps to getting past and getting over like your biases. Right. Because uh, yes. without that, like you can't. How are how can you, you know? Yeah. Right. It's interesting. Mistakes are OK. Mistakes are part of the experience. It's but yeah. it's the what you're doing with the mistakes is what is the differentiating factor. Are you doubling down and denying yeah. that you are a fucking work in progress? Are you willing to be a bit of a explorer and look at your own life as something that builds on itself? And, you know, it, you're just increasing the knowledge that you're standing on rather because yeah. if if you're able to acknowledge that there's something for me to learn, you're actually adding wisdom to your experience. And that's the difference. Yeah. It's when you deny that, that's when you have the, the wisdom is that is not wisdom. Wisdom is being able to have that grace and say, hmm, that is interesting. I do need to look at that. And if it makes me uncomfortable, I can look at that a little bit more, but also know that 
by engaging with this, I'm this is an additive process. There's nothing that's being taken away by engaging in it. That's yeah. beautiful. And it's expansive. It's expanding. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that like my this is like I went through a lot writing this book of having to look at my own biases, like mm-hmm. every kind of bias. Like there was sure. nowhere to hide for me. You know, I'm writing, right. I'm writing about this. Like I can't run yeah. away from it, but I will tell you that it has been so life altering to look at those and to deal with them and to face them and to work on them in terms of like my relationships with other people. Like mm-hmm. I, the, the level of like trust and just the, the depth of the relationships is so much stronger because yeah. of that that yeah. that process. Right. And that willingness. Because I mean, yeah, if you're if you're able to be kind to yourself, you like you said, it, I've it's like after I've gone when I was really struggling with my mental health and going to therapy and shit like that, my dude, the way I live is so different because I no longer navigate the world in this like sort of like on a wire being like, Oh fuck. Like, am I going to fuck my whole life up and I'm, I'm not worthy of shit and I'll be abandoned. Cause I've experienced certain things like that in my life. When you're able to move past that and be able to see it for what it is, you're able to love people more deeply. You're able to have deeper relationship with, 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 with your friends, communicate more directly with your friends. There's so much that opens up with that. But like we all say, just give yourself that floor that you're worthy and 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 give yourself the room to fuck up and like yeah if you fuck up apologize and that's fine and it doesn't mean that learn from it yeah you're gonna be banished and completely ostracized and become a pariah no it's like everybody else you fuck up but just own that shit and really figure out how you can move through that and that's there's the wisdom right there Mm -hmm. all right um jessica thank you so much for for joining us this was a like fucking fantastic conversation we just had we'd love to have you back where can people find you and follow you support you hear you it was such it was just so much it was wonderful talking to you so you can find me uh on my website uh jessicanordell.com i'm on twitter at jess nordell if you're in la i'll be at the la times book festival in a couple weeks doing a panel right. on parenting during the social upheaval mm. what else a few people who could use that and then in the fall, I'll be doing a, a tour for, for when the paperback comes out. So you'll be able to find me in oh, bookstores yeah. this fall. Okay, cool. For sure. Uh, and is there a tweet or some other social media posting that you've enjoyed that you'd like to share with us? You know, yes. And it relates a lot to what we were just talking about. This is a quote. It's attributed to Winston Churchill, but that might be apocryphal. I'm not sure if it's actually him. But it's, it's such mm-hmm. a great a great quote. I actually just tweeted it myself. And the quote is, success is being able to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Wow, that's true. Wow. Un- unleash your inner SoundCloud rapper, folks. <laughs> you know, don't let them tell you it's bad. You keep going. It doesn't matter because it's about you. That's so true, though. That That is such a, you can see how much people lose momentum just from a the wrong word or, you know, a weird write-up or something. And yeah, that, whew, don't let the momentum die for sure. Love that. It came up because I was just at South by Southwest a couple of weeks ago and there was a panel that I stopped in at, which was about failure for artists. And it was packed. It was like every 25 year old in within like, you know, a radius of 10 miles was packed in that room. Like, how do you deal with failure? And right. a lot of people were, you know, talking about it. And I, I ended up talking to this one like young musician who was really struggling. And 
I just shared with him that this, this attitude is what has helped me, you know, in my own creative journey so much, like just realizing that the failure, it's not the end of anything. It's just, as you pointed out, it's just another piece of data. It's the tuition you're paying for the school school of experience. experience. You just move on to the next thing. And guess what? You won't have student loans if you keep paying your tuition (laughs) to school of experience. You know, there's a whole, it's, it's right there for you. And it's the other thing too, is like this metaphor of being, life's a river, right? You got to just let the river take you. But rivers have rocks and fucking snags and shit in the river that you can get hung up on, like, which are our tribulations, our failures. But are you going to hang on to that fucking rock or are you going to let the river keep taking you where the scenery will change? Because a lot of us, we stay stuck holding on to rocks and shit when we realize if you just let go, the scenery will change because the river has no choice but to yeah. take you there. Unless it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, then I'm holding Dwayne on to this. Holding yeah, on to I'm Dwayne not. the Rock Johnson. I would hold on to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. We will yes, I would to too. Dwayne. I, yeah, yeah, I changed yeah. my middle name to Rocky from my eighth grade graduation <laughs> because, you know, anybody who was like Blasian, I was rooting for as a kid. Yeah. Jaquiz, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Where can course. people find you, follow you, and what's that tweet that you like? Ah, uh, you know, you know what it is. You can find me in these streets, everybody. Uh, and at Jackie's Neal on everything. Jessica, I just want to say this was beautiful conversation. It was great. I think probably, I don't know, I've guest hosted or been on the show well over like 20, 30 times now. And yeah. uh, probably my favorite conversation I've had on the Zeitgeist. So uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you so much. A couple. Oh, also, before I get to a tweet, I know I I was on all last week and I promoted the Comedy Comedian Feud. feud. It's yeah. all sold out, everybody. It's sold out in less than a week. Uh, nope. So Sorry. if you are in L.A. and you want to come, there will be some door sales on Mother's Day, May 8th. Uh, but it'll be a monthly show. I'm going to do this monthly. They asked me immediately to make this a monthly show. So there'll be some there chances to come to Comedian Feud. So definitely do that. Physical Season 2 on apple tv just got its release date june 3rd i'll be in that upcoming season so be on the lookout for that uh and some tweets this is from at chicago history i got a i got three (laughs) where it says i'm from chicago where people say follow me and then hop on the dan ryan and start doing 120 miles per hour uh very true <laughs> very fucking true. I, it is, that is about the truest thing I have ever read about Chicago people in my life. Uh, very funny. Also, uh, this is more of a shout out tweet than anything, but the queen, the icon, Jack A. Harry. 28 years ago, the LA Times reviewed Sister Sister and referred to it as hardly an epic comedy. I say our staying power on Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime have proved that statement to be bunk. Happy anniversary to us 28 years ago, Sister, Sister. And it is every bit as much of an iconic show. Such a good show. I know, 28 years ago. Pretty wild. So shout out. I just became that Matt Damon gift from Saving Private Ryan where he turns like 70 years old. Right, exactly. It's almost 30 years ago. I don't like (sighs) it. And last tweet, this is very funny, from at Mariana057. I don't know. Uh, Why is Iron Man called Iron Man and not female? Because F-E, ah, F-E is yes. on the iron. Table. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Shout out to my shout out to my periodic table fans out there. We've got, yes. We're on that one quick. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Very funny. Uh, That's it. I don't know why I remember that, but I, I hate it. 
I hated chemistry. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was it. terrible at stoichiometry, so I fucking it's math, but I don't know what a valence electron is, so fuck this. <laughs> let's talk about some tweets I like. Some tweets I like. Uh let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, Mike Drucker at Mike Drucker tweeted, I like when assassins whisper shh 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 as they help a dying body to the floor because they never need to be that nice, but professionalism matters. <laughs> I just like that sentiment about an assassin. And then speaking of feeling old, uh, at Jill Krajewski tweeted, the yeah, yeah, yeah's maps is 19. That's old enough to have their heart broken so bad, they need to listen to maps, uh, which really got me because damn, I was, they don't love you like I love you. Wait. Oh, yeah. Shout out to feel it. Feel Jill. It or, wait, what's a, Karen, Karen O. That's who it mm-hmm. is. You can find me at Miles of Gray on Twitter and uh, what is that? Instagram? Yeah, for sure. And the new basketball podcast, Mad Boosties with Jack uh, and also 420 Day Fiance. If you like 90 Day Fiance and Married at First Sight, that's where we hang out and get high and talk about our favorite reality show. Um, until then, find us, Daily Zeitgeist, at Daily Zeitgeist on Twitter, at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. Got the Facebook fan page and website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes! Thank you. Uh, where you can find the links to all the articles we talked about, as well as the song we are writing out on today. Uh, I want to go out on just some more reggaeton, but from Spain again. I know, I know, it's the, this, the, that's not their thing. But this is an artist called Bea Pelea, and this track is called Almelo Otra Vez. And it's uh, this one. This one's this one's kind of funky too. It's twisted. It's twisted. Okay, so check out that track, uh, and we'll talk to you later to tell you what's trending. Until then, we'll see you. Bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. Here's something you might not know about wireless sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Zyke gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.